0: Welcome to the third season of PEBC's Phenomenal Teaching Podcast. My name is Michelle Morris Jones, and in this season, I'll be sharing conversations with educators and leaders who are making schools and classrooms more phenomenal than ever before by implementing community, planning, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment practices that promote agency, equity, and understanding for each and every learner. I am honored to share these conversations of innovation and passion with all of you. Thank you so much for listening in. Maggie Riley is a certified integrative holistic coach and assistant principal. She has great passion for school leadership that balances both technical and adaptive leadership skills with an eye on personal accountability in order to best meet the needs of learners. Maggie provides leader of self-training and coaching to groups and individuals and is joining me today to talk about the importance of knowing ourselves well so that we can be of service to others. Maggie, it is so great to see you. How are you today? Thanks, Michelle. It's such
1: an honor to be here with you and with your audience of educators. I'm doing great. Great.
0: Well, I am excited to dive into this conversation because I think, you know, this season, we're really focusing on phenomenal teaching. And in order to really be more phenomenal than ever before, leadership is such an important foundational component in each and every building and each and every system and in each and every classroom. And so, you know, over time, getting to know you and your work, it has just been really interesting to hear your story. And so I'm wondering if we might start that way today. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about how you came to be where you are today? Yeah, I'd love to. This is my 13th year as an educator. I started
1: teaching in third grade and have also taught fifth. And early in my career, I had the opportunity to be part of the teacher incentive fund in the Denver schools, which would go on to fund a teacher leader role where the teacher was halftime in the classroom and then coached and evaluated their peers halftime. And so as a relatively young person and also relatively young teacher, young in my um, career, I found myself in classrooms all across the school. And I was desperately underprepared on the coaching side at that point, but absolutely in love with the potential and connection of the role. And so that's how I got started with instructional coaching. And along the way, what I started to notice was that there seemed to be something getting in the way of the ability to that something that seemed to be getting in the way that wasn't the ability to learn the technical aspects of, of excellent instruction. It was something a little bit harder to put your finger on, a little deeper and more personal. And so as I was doing this work in my career, I'd also been working with my own personal coach. And that work with her has totally changed my life in many ways. But it also got me thinking about what was missing in our approach to coaching in schools. And so I decided to become a certified integrative holistic coach. And do this work of Riley Results Coaching, where I do personal coaching and then now expansive education, which offers leadership, coaching and facilitation. Because what I've dedicated myself to is the belief that when we do better by those we serve, we do better by those we serve when we
0: deeply know ourselves and have the space to do that work, too. Wow. So this is going to be an incredible conversation because that's what I want to get into today is just this idea, you know, at PVC, we strongly believe in the importance of strong school leadership and also in, in everyone's leadership potential. Like we all have that capacity in us and everyone's a leader in some component. But for you, when you think about your work with, you know, that I love that story of, you know, I think the first time we all find ourselves in instructional coaching roles we're like whoa this is a <laughs> this is a heavy lift right? Mm-hmm. Like we're thinking about so many things. So let's talk a little bit about like what are your beliefs about leadership or what's your unique perspective on leadership?
1: Well, what I've come to think what I've been thinking a lot about this summer is that how we learn as people and like big societies when there's a new idea or concept. And so I think what we do to wrap our arms around it is we give the concept a shape and a name. And so like, if we're trying to understand love, we build a chapel and then when we love someone, we go there and we get married because it's the love place. Right. And then as soon as we think that love only lives in the chapel and that love doesn't live everywhere, We have to burn the chapel down, so to speak, so that we can understand the concept now in a deeper and richer way, because love doesn't have just one home. And so I know we're not talking about love today. We're talking about leadership. And so I think the same is for leadership. If leading just means CEO, president, principal, and it doesn't mean us when we go stand in front of 25 kids or however many kids we're in service to or whatever um, the number of teachers we're in service to are... And we don't see that that is also leadership, then I think it's time for reinvention. I think it's time to get real about what I think's been true the whole time, and that's that leadership is available to us in an instant, and that we're the leaders of our own lives. We're the ones, you know, directing this one experience of our or one life.
0: Wow. So that is really, really empowering to think about. Like being a leader in an instant. You know, really thinking about ourselves, our own identities as leaders when we're in front of a classroom, even though our job description might not have a leadership title in it. Mm -hmm. So I think that that, like, all of a sudden you just opened it up. And I think for our listeners, um, those of us who primarily spend our time in classrooms, we can take on the mantle of leadership. And for those of us who might be the leaders who lead in a more formal way, they can think about leadership differently. So let's talk about a couple like anecdotes or kind of, you know, when you think about this work, what does that look like and sound like for you? Well,
1: where this started for me is when I was serving in a classroom Mm -hmm. and I had this one student and we'll call him Marcus and I love Marcus. And he was just, he was wonderful in so many ways. And then a stubborn, like persistent spirit And when struggling would sit at his desk that had a metal siding to it, and kick it, you know, over and over again. And any one of us of certain elementary schools, like, are right there with me, right? And I would get mad, like, really mad about it, and struggle to show up for him, make anything better. Like when I was interacting with him, it wasn't, it was not service, (laughs) it wasn't teaching. And I happened to be reading Eckhart Tolle at the time. And I think it's in Power of Now, but he talks about the concept of pain bodies and how we each carry a um, pain from our past. And what I realized is that Marcus and I were hitting up on our painful stories. He happened to remind me of a dynamic between my brother and I from when we were little. And so I wasn't talking to Marcus when I was thinking I was mad at this eight-year-old student. I was back with my brother, and that um, just wasn't what I was in the classroom to do. And that wasn't my commitment to students. And so I decided in that period of time that I was never going to be mad at an eight-year-old again. That's not Mm -hmm. what, what we're there to do as teachers. And certainly I've stepped outside that commitment here or there, but really when I go in to be with a student, I'm true to that commitment. And I learned how to be true to it to Marcus so that I could be the teacher he needed to be. And that sense of clarity and teaching from neutral or higher state is where this work started to kind of embed in my soul for me. And I started to get so committed to how important it was because it changed my experience of being in service to kids. And I think it, and I also saw that it changed the outcome and impact for the students.
0: Wow. So, all right, let's, let's go a little bit deeper then, because I think this is really interesting to think about commitments and leadership. I really hadn't thought about that kind of pairing in the intentionality that you just shared. Mm-hmm. So when you think about like your beliefs around leadership and your practices, what is that connection between like those beliefs and then that, that those leadership actions, if you will, and that intentionality?
1: Yeah. So I believe a lot in the value of really knowing our core values, and that core values are, to me, a North Star. They're not who I am all the time, but they're absolutely who I aspire to be in the world. Not just when I'm in the school, but when I'm with my husband, with with my son, when I'm with friends and community. And those are what I see as my commitment. And mine happen to be love, joy, gratitude, service, and leadership. So leadership is one of my core values. And I think that it has to start with being really committed to embodying my very best so that I'm able then to show up in a clear space for those I'm in communion with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so in terms of the commitment, then what I think my job is to do is to notice breakdowns, is to kind of go back and notice when I'm mad at the eight-year-old. You yeah. now might be a teacher or a colleague or a friend and ask myself, like, what has taken me outside that commitment of being a leader in my life?
0: Okay. So I'm inferring that Mm -hmm. this like work that you have done over so many years and just the precision in which you carry yourself and the high level that you kind of hold yourself to these commitments has led to your work with leader of self. And the Absolutely. work that you provide for groups and individuals. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how did you take all of these rich experiences and these beliefs that you have and the deep study that you did to now you offer kind of leader of self trainings, either for individuals through coaching or even through seminars. And so I'd love to just know a little bit, like what is leader of self all about? Like Tell us a little bit more, because I I'm super intrigued from what you've shared already. So,
1: leader of self is based on the
0: observable knowing
1: that before we can effectively lead a classroom, lead our colleagues, or lead for creating a school system, a system that we now, you know, it's in the zeitgeist, it's what we're all up to, is able to shed its old oppressive habits and actually serve all children. Mm -hmm. You know, to accomplish those big goals that matter so much, we must first know ourselves, know our values, know our why. And then we go a little deeper because we need to know the habits and ways of thinking that hold us back, that have us being withholding, playing small, not speaking up truthfully, not getting into right action, so that we can be compassionate for that part of ourselves and have an inquiry-based approach to like, where did that come from? And then heal it so that we can step into accountability. And so I think that stepping into real leadership means knowing ourselves so we can be you know our very best so we can be a clear space of service for those in front of us.
0: So you mentioned two things that really stuck out to me. One was this idea of how can we like shed the old oppressive habits Mm -hmm. like that? I think, you know, I think we have an opportunity to reset education in many ways. And then I think you also mentioned, or I'm inferring that, Leadership takes time for reflection and really being able to reflect on ourselves, our values, our why, what habits are helping us meet our goals and which habits aren't. And so I think those are two, like I think two topics that are probably very, very, very top of mind for all of us right now in education. How can we make the system a better place? And then what is my role in doing that? And what do I personally need to change? What do I personally need to learn about and grow? Um, you know, I've been really diving into pedagogy that sustains cultures, like culturally sustaining pedagogy. And what does that look like and sound like? And what are all the questions of all the things I don't know? And what are all of my implicit internal biases that I'm recognizing and trying to break down? But that work takes some time. And I think about when the school year starts, how am I going to maintain that? And so I'm thinking about this like concept of leader of self and I'm thinking about your work and I'm just wondering if you can help us think about what are some pitfalls or some issues that we might run into that would keep us from trying to meet these goals, trying to be true to ourselves as leaders, trying to make systems better places for kids than they've ever been before. Yeah. What do you see as some issues or problems?
1: Well, to speak to what you were saying about the self-examination around our biases and how essential that is to being in the space of public education and in the space of service to kids, I've certainly been on that journey too. And notice in myself when breakdown occurs, notice when I feel confronted by the work. Mm -hmm. Um, As a leader in a school, working with other teams, I've had the opportunity, opportunity to observe when it shows up for others too. And I watch it in myself and in others with a lot of compassion and and not excuse making, but just compassion as we do the challenging work of reinvention and trying to find a better way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm not an equity or bias training expert, but what I see is leader of self being the foundation or the complementing structure that allows us to stay in the hard work mm. Because what leader of self ultimately is, is the space to really be nourished, Mm -hmm. be really supported, be really tender with ourselves. Like we're in service to kids and then we all have an inner child that's still with us and still gets mad or feels hurt sometimes. And so I think that this skill set that I'm speaking to, I hope that it, um, can su- help sustain us as we do that like deep inquiry into all the pieces of these larger school systems and then our individual classrooms that have not worked for every single kid that sat sat in front of us and i know for any teacher any of us there's a heartbreak in that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so this i hope that this work is a way to keep holding space for ourselves be have that that um joint pairing of compassion and accountability and so
0: when I think of larger pitfalls, I mean, that is a big you know, one. But, I'm like, hold on, yeah. I'm like, wait, hold on a sec. I got to write yeah. this down because you just said something so interesting, um, like passion and accountability. That's kind of interesting for everyone just to kind of take a moment because I want to hear about the big pitfalls too. Mm-hmm. But like, let's just all reflect for a second. Like, what does that mean? For ourselves as leaders? What does that mean for ourselves as teachers? How can we be passionate, have accountability, but also be gentle with ourselves? That's an interesting triangle just to kind of like think about.
1: Yeah. And so I paired compassion. I mm-hmm. probably didn't say so compassion and accountability. Ah, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. So compassion and accountability. And I do think of that some somewhat as a linear process. We have to be compassionate first, whether it's to ourselves, to that child or to that teacher we're coaching. And then we also have to pair it with the accountability or it means it doesn't mean very much. And so like if I see in myself where I've gone astray in previous moments, relationships, and I do my work and I see it, I'm like, I get it, man, that came from my eight-year-old self and I was running this type of thinking and i have that compassion what makes what makes me a change agent then is when i'm willing to get a little more accountable to it like oh i'm a you know 34 year old school leader but right now the 8 year olds running the show that doesn't work here and i need to choose a different way of being and so that's how i see the compassion and accountability pairing
0: to really make like real change absolutely and i think that's really interesting to think about the two-way street that you just mentioned like as an instructional coach or as a school leader, I can be compassionate and have high expectations for accountability. And then for ourselves, we can be compassionate with ourselves, but then also hold ourselves to that high level of accountability. Is that mm-hmm. kind of what we're thinking about? Absolutely. My coach, I so I am a coach and I work with a coach
1: because I believe in just staying in the work, right? Right. And my coach always says, you're writing this seminar. this curriculum leader self for yourself. Like this is my healing work and hopefully then it's of service to others. But what I've experienced and I don't believe is true, but a struggle with is that like heartfelt leadership, caring relationship somehow costs the high expectations and the drive for excellence.
0: Mm. And I can get
1: like upset and angsty about that. And so why this, you know, this curriculum matters to me is it's a way to get the victim out of my leadership. Like that doesn't work to collapse relationship and excellence and make them mutually exclusive. That doesn't work for anyone. It doesn't work for kids. Mm -hmm. And so, um, leader of self is, is been my own journey of watching that happen and then coming through on the other side and saying, you know, I think part of my work is to be a strong stand that we can value this essential work of self-care, knowing ourselves, while also being deeply accountable to the sacred responsibility of being in front of kids
0: every day. Right. Okay, so something you just said is really interesting. So say it again, sacred.
1: I think I said the sacred responsibility of being in front of
0: kids every single day. Mm-hmm. So that's the driver, Right. And so we, like you said, we can't let relationships kind of cancel out high expectations. Like they can't be mutually exclusive. So if our goal is really to do the best that we can for kids, it sounds like there's a lot of balancing that has to happen. But at the same time, it's possible. Like you can have strong relationships and joy and be in connection with people, but you can also have high expectations, and high levels of accountability. And I'm guessing that there's then, of course, as a leader, you have to think about the supports. How might we support people?
1: Absolutely. I heard wisdom described as the ability to hold two seemingly opposing ideas at the same time.
0: Mm.
1: And I would love to see us grow and get better at that in education. And so, you know, to come to that idea of a technical and adaptive leadership and maybe adaptive in the past has been called soft skill or... There's another one, it's, not, it's losing, it's out of my mind right now, but soft skills. And it's like, okay, if you're in a hurry in a meeting, cut the adaptive and go to the technical, like at least at least leave with a protocol. And I think that kind of thinking that it's not both of equal measure and equally being set up to complement each other to support teachers in the school so they can be their best, because that's the gateway for kids being their best. That's when we can, you know, run into trouble, and that's where I've certainly run into trouble in my leadership, is leaning too hard into the technical and neglecting the adaptive, the change, the relationship piece, and thinking that one is of greater value than another.
0: Right, and I I see that also, and I also see like when they are separated, like in either like the leadership stance or persona, or like you said within a meeting, right? What a great example when they're not connected. Like we're doing this adaptive stuff, and now we're going to do this technical stuff, and like there's not that integration, but you know, how can we like skillfully bring those together? I think is a really interesting question too.
1: Absolutely. And I think these concepts as I see them in my head and heart now of leader of self, they're meant to be pulled through all threads of our day. Mm -hmm. Like leader of self for me doesn't stop when I leave school. It doesn't stop when I'm with a a leadership team compared to with a classroom teacher, their principles and foundational beliefs that I need to know myself, be clear and be committed to my values in all arenas if I'm really up to the big game of serving students that I say I'm up to.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think I would love to take us now it kind of kind of running that into kind of like a, a system, if you will, and this idea of like pitfalls and possibilities, like this time of year heading into the school year are there a couple of pitfalls just from your experiences that you'd like to just kind of heighten our awareness heighten our consciousness like oh look, let's be on the lookout for this and this and then the flip side what are some possibilities like what are some ideas what are what is something that can kind of inform and inspire us as we begin that work of leadership
1: absolutely and i'm right back there it's it's um Leadership Week in Denver Public Schools, and there's so much content and offerings and possibility. And in my experience in schools, there's this bounty of creative energy and a willingness to grow and learn and try new things. And then I've also experienced this piece, this hint that can undergird things of, well, that's just the way it is.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like creative energy and momentum. And then there's the kind of, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I, to me, that I mean is a big provocation in my life. Somebody even like says those words out loud. like that's just the way it is. I'm like, why? What have we? Why would I be complicit in that when we have a system that is not working?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, so that's kind of like a big umbrella. I see it anywhere that we've fallen asleep and been like, that's just the way enrollment goes. That's just the way we have to do PD. That's just the way we relate to each other. We don't do this. We do do this. And I think it can also manifest itself across the year and in different settings as feeling like there's not enough time to do the work that matters, or we're in an experience of disconnecting from big and bold dreams that we had for the school year. Um, I've also experienced the pitfall in myself and in coaching of observing school culture where everyone's really nice and well-intentioned, but no one's really saying anything. Mm. And the culture of nice acts as a barrier rather than a bridge. And I also think there could be, you know, sometimes this shows up as a lack of joy or not feeling efficacious and a sense that nothing we will do will be enough. Like, can we work hard enough this year to make up or fill gaps or however we choose to put language around that um, that might be resulting from our COVID year? You know, and, and so that's kind of the victim feeling that I've experienced in leadership. And that I can see sometimes in our school and in people I, you know, teams I've worked with. And that victim feeling is pretty low state. It's a low state to do such important work from.
0: And so I think those are some of the pitfalls. Okay, so let me just review then, because I think that as, you know, individuals who work in schools and work closely closely with schools, we can all identify one of these that, We've experienced or that we might even be experiencing simultaneously. So there's that kind of that just the way it is. Like this is the way things have always happened. Things aren't going to change despite our vision. There's that everyone is nice and can like really congenial but not necessarily collegial. Like we're super kind, but we don't necessarily use those relationships to do hard work. And then that victim feeling and the lack of joy and the burnout. Those are three biggies that you're that you're concerned about.
1: Absolutely. And just like a funny story, because I'm in some leadership work now, but I've been working with a team, different from school setting and this amazing team of leaders. And we're all, we're working for a common cause and there's five of us and there's some breakdown on the team. And there's this moment of like, well, Maggie, why don't you, you know, lead the team through this? And I had this moment of like, oh God, like that's me, why? (laughs) And I realized that I had this victim thought around running, like leading teams as being hard in a drain. And I'm like, well, there's another piece I got to heal and work through. Like, what's, what's that? Um, so I think I've lost my train of thought a little bit there, but just <laughs> to come back, like, you know, these pitfalls can show up in like sneaky and interesting ways, even yeah. if you make progress in our leadership journey, because we know it's not linear, it's a spiral of this work. And, you know, I love high state, joyful possibility, like led leading. And then here I am thinking I can't do it again.
0: (laughs) But I think that's interesting, though. And I think like pitfalls can be little tiny pitfalls or they can be great big sinkholes. But you're right. I can think of a conversation yesterday when we started doing some, well, that's just the way it is thinking. And we were like, wait a minute, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, what's a different, was this a different way for us to think about it? Or what's a different way to solve that issue or that problem? And I think that that one, like for me, something I want to take away from our conversation is there has been so much innovation in the last 15 to 18 months that if, if, like for me personally, going back to the way things, I always did things wouldn't make any sense. So I have to be really careful for me. I think when that sneaking pops into my mind, well, that's just the way I'm going to do it. Be like, wait, hold on. Is that really the way you're going to do it? Is that the way you have
1: to do it? Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking for myself there too. Like I found myself and that's just the way it is where, oh, this breakdown is inevitable or I can't fix this thing or whatever it is, just this barrier type of thinking. And so this, as a coach, I really believe in, sorry, I'm getting echoed. as a coach i believe in processes that support us in integrating new work and new ways of being in our lives and so i thought for us that as we enter a new school year we could all make a just that's just the way it is like inventory list that's like great i if i paused right now like i could easily 50 things man they're right there <laughs> <laughs> um and so If we really took this inventory and we looked at all the things that we've become complicit and agreeable to being just the way they are, and we took two of them that we thought, you know what, if I applied a growth mindset here and got really committed to a new way of being and this would like change the game for kids, change the way of my experience of being an educator, and we took on one or two of those things, like I just, what would that mean for us in this school year? What possibility would that unlock?
0: Mm, see, that is a great suggestion. I know everyone's like minds are churning. And I know you have a couple other possibilities that you'd like us to think about, you know, as especially as, you know, the beginning of the school year, these first couple months of the year of just a year like no other after a year of like no other. What do you want us to think about in terms of not so much identifying the pitfalls, like we've mentioned those, and I like to be really transparent about things that are potential issues or problems, but I also love to think about opportunities and possibilities. So what do you have first? What do you want us to think about that puts us in that space? What I've learned is that connection
1: makes all the difference. Mm. And so what I mean with that is like connection to everything that matters to ourselves, to our values, to our big dreams, to our why and it's maybe like we have this vague sense of it but what if we got like real serious about getting crystal clear on it and so i think um as we start the school year if we're in dreaming we're in goal setting what would be one to four possibilities dreams goals that we would walk through the fire to get mm-hmm. they're so tantalizing they're so important. They're so like, oh my gosh, can you believe what would my life would be like if every single child in my class like left above grade level and deeply connected to the kids in the room? Like, what would that be for me? You know, what would it be for me if instead of going into burnout in October, I enlisted so much support that like I forget that burnout's a possibility. Wow. And so I, I just think. Spending time to get anchored into something that we would, we're, we're going to be a stand for
0: matters. Absolutely. I love the idea. What would you walk through the fire for?
1: I always think it feel that way because when I'm in moments of growth and it's like that painful, acute moment of growth, like I'm just in the forest fire. It's okay. It's hard. It's hot. But on the other side is new growth. There's mm. So much possibility. It's like all these little seeds everywhere being planted and taking root and growing up. <laughs> I love that. So what else? Another concept uh, that I think supports possibility is clarity. And especially cool. like we've talked about this, but this crazy past year and a half and then just our lives. Like we've all still been in this deeply human experience in our homes with our friends and family and children. And so if we're in an experience of any lingering pain or frustration, clarity is available to us. And that's just the prompting to ask, how do I feel? What thought am I following? So that we can start to see where are we clear and where are we cloudy? You know, to go back to Marcus, if I'm thinking Marcus is doing something to me as the eight year old student, I'm serving my class, I'm cloudy. He was not doing anything. He was in his process of learning. And so what I believe is that great leaders notice when they're unclear, and then they take steps to clear so they can get back into their values and aligned right action. Mm. So clarity can come in a lot of different ways. And I think we have different experiences of it. I have a couple thoughts about it. But one is just taking on a mantra. And I actually learned this from Rob Bell. But this one mantra is, oh, this comes with it. And instead of going into drama and overwhelm as the school year starts and someone's upset or the curriculum doesn't arrive on time or a classroom doesn't fill or there's a student that is unexpected, challenging in an unexpected way, you know, we can be like, did I think that being a life changer, like a game changer for kids was going to be cake all the time?
0: Like, what was <laughs> I thinking? Like, I love it. That's so (laughs) awesome, Maggie. Like really like, right. And the way you just framed the job description, like if I'm going to be a game changer, I'm going to change people's (laughs) lives. You're right. It's not going to be a cakewalk. So you
1: you go, Oh, oh, this comes with it. This comes with this important job that i am so committed to.
0: Oh, I love it. Okay. So that is super helpful. Like taking that pause and having a mantra or almost like I always call it like your water bottle sticker. Like Mm -hmm. I like want to make that into a sticker and put it on my laptop right now. Like Oh, okay. I'm good. I'm all good. So in order to avoid being cloudy, let help with that clarity. You're in, you're inviting us to pause and just kind of take that big picture view for a moment. Like, okay, these are all the things that are happening and why.
1: Absolutely. And I think in that is that like follow, like they asked what thought am I following? Mm -hmm. Am I following a thought about all the things that are happening to me? Am I following the thought of all the ways the world is working against me? And then what? who would I be without that thought? And that's where we can go, oh, and this comes with it. I'm a game changer for this school. I'm committed to this school being an equitable place of joyful service. Okay, there's going to be an upset parent time to time or a teacher that's grappling with concepts and you know, some administrative test that doesn't get achieved on time. Like This comes with it but I'm connected and back to that, the dreaming and visions. um, I'm willing to walk through this little bit of fire too. Hmm.
0: And the other thing I... I Go ahead. I was going to say, I love that, but I know you have a couple more ideas that you would probably love to share with us that are very, very implementable, just like that. Like just like the mantra and the pause and the thinking about our thinking. What other suggestions or strategies might we want to employ when we're like, okay, I'm not feeling very clear right now. What can I do?
1: Yeah, this one I know is redundant and we hear it in so many arenas, but I think it's so important. It's just to get embodied. Mm. If we're in our heads and we're in an experience of anxiety or overwhelm, get embodied, get outside, move, breathe, stretch, and get back into our physical space. Mm-hmm. The other one is, and I love this one because mine, this experience cracks me up and occurs in my life all the time, but it's just to notice an obstacle thought. So this would be, yeah, this would be the first thought your inner voice says when in resistance, drama or shutdown. So mine has a bit of flip and funny to it, but truly this is what happens in my brain. When something comes up that I'm not bought into whatever resistant to, I go, This is so stupid. (laughs) And that is my obstacle thought. (laughs) And you can hear it in your head. Absolutely. And you try to say it out loud. (laughs) Absolutely. I do. And gosh dang it. Sometimes I do say it out loud. And then I'm like, whoa, this obstacle thought's like big. And when I'm in this is stupid, I do not make decisions. Mm. I do not get in front of teams. I do not give advice. (laughs) Like I'm lacking clarity. And so I have a lot of my clients that once they really find the like obstacle thought that shows up for them, they, te- they wear a hair tie around their wrist <laughs> and they just kind of give it a little snap, you know, just that, that sensory feedback up. Oh, there it is again. This is stupid. <sighs> okay. Who am I without that? I like to write my obstacle thought down on a postage, not so that I can put it anywhere, but so I can get it out of myself. Like, that's not me. I don't think any of this work is stupid. Get it out of me. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's another thing. And then I would say just maybe finally, but very importantly, is I really believe that great leaders work with great coaches and that they call in the support to that. They call in the support they deserve to do the big job they have so they can be their best, so they can lead from clarity and so they can take next right action on behalf of those they're serving. I've worked with a coach for almost 10 years now and it's the best thing I've ever done for myself and it's why I've committed myself to this work is because when we show up and support each other, those dreams we talked about um, just a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. thats the, it's the support we need to access that full possibility and step into this expansiveness of who we really can be in this world.
0: Wow. So Maggie, you've given us so much to think about and just this idea of really, you know, what is it I'm going to walk through the fire for? What's most important? And if if I have that big dream, and I'm really really true to myself, I have to take care of myself. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the tips that you just mentioned—I want to call them tips because I know they're deeper than that—but this idea of of finding clarity, getting embodied, identifying those obstacles, and moving through them, enlisting support those all seem to me to also then remind me that great leaders not only take care of others, but they also take care of themselves.
1: Absolutely. And we're such complex, mysterious, amazing creatures in that time of knowing ourselves. So we have the tools to take care of ourselves is time is the, is a, is a job that deserves time and attention. And it deserves that process because we're not just a simple fix. Um, and we de- we deserve to acknowledge the
0: complexity of who we are. Mm. Maggie, thank you so much for this time today. And as we wrap up, I have one last question for you. What's your big hope for the upcoming school year?
1: My big hope is that we all see that we're leaders and that that is a joyful, exhilarating responsibility and it might lead us to overwhelm, but when we get support and we enlist some tools that set us up for success, when we're supported and we're in leadership, we are granting permission of every student we're in service to to step into being a leader of their own lives as well.
0: Thank you so much for listening in. The Phenomenal Teaching Podcast is brought to you by PEBC, Public Education and Business Coalition, and is intended to elevate the strands of the PEBC teaching framework, which is illustrated in Wendy Wardhoffer's book, Phenomenal Teaching. PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, but works both locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding for each and every learner. PEBC provides customized on-site professional development and coaching for schools and districts, facilitates a variety of institutes and seminars, and offers an array of online learning experiences for all educators. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at PEBC.org.